You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. He, was, he, is, he knew what he meant. He knew what he meant to people. He knew how important his words were. But he still had an emsa de tzibura. He used to say that even to daven b'mezumen, even to bench b'mezumen, to be the leader of the mezumen, was something that he felt nervous and, and it, it was difficult for him. Um, and therefore, the Chazanish, although he wrote magnificently and beautifully in a, and really in a Hebrew that many people uh, can't believe that he wrote so beautifully, so poetic, but he was not a speaker. Um, he did not give public drushes like Rav Shach and others who were leaders in Bnei Brak. Um, he didn't speak in front of the Tzibor. Um, there was um, one year um, that it was the Yertzad of his father. He spoke. Um, he prepared a lot. Um, and he would actually, he went over the Drusha many, many times. Um, um, and you know, this, it's not like he was publicly giving shiurim to people. Um, now, on this subject of giving speeches, I'd, I'd like to mention a halachic prat that the Chazanish was very strong about. The Rabbeinu Yonah in Shari Tshuva Shar Gimel on the Pasuk, which the simple shot is that if you have an Eved Ivri, that you're not allowed to have him work in a very um, menial way. Rabbi Niona writes that it means, if you've got a relationship, a working relationship, you can't make that person feel that how much you're his boss. And if that person fears you, that because you pay his check, because of how he looks up to you, they would be embarrassed not to do what you want. Don't ask them to do something. You need to know where it's so numb. They really want to do it. And they actually get a benefit from it and want to do it. Which means it isn't just about an Eved, according to Rabbeinu Yonah. It means this love is no way with anyone. When you ask him to do something and you have a certain amount of credibility, you have a certain amount of protection, you have a certain amount of significance towards that person and you know you're asking him to do something that he really doesn't want to do, you're over the love of um, this is a, a famous Rabbeinu Yoyna and the Chazanish felt that this was a very important love and it, it was relevant 
the way we speak to people, the way we ask people to do things. It once happened that the Chazanish was in a situation, uh, the following event, um, that that he had a machlek with the, with the G'dayle Yisrael over this point. Um, the Chazanish's brother-in-law was Rishmul Greinaman. Um, and Rishmul Greinaman was a person who was collecting and helping, collecting monies and helping for causes for Klal Yisrael. Especially after the First World War, uh, there was so much um, and we, you know, we all know about the Second World War a lot. We know that um, in the Second World War, uh, it was the, the communities were totally destroyed. But after the First World War, there was also uh, uh, communities that were uprooted, people that were living in places that they had no uh, funds to support them, and the Rosh Hashivas and the Bnei Teira were in, in a very difficult situation. And... Um, the Gedolim created at that point something called the Vada Yeshivas in Vilna. Um, and what they needed to try to do was to get get people back, figure out what was going on. Uh, was it politically feasible to return back to the places that had been um, uh, decimated during the war? Um, now, The uh, the uh, Chazanish, although his brother-in-law was one of the one of the strong people involved, and the Chazanish was sitting and learning. Now, as much as people knew that Avram Yishaya Karelitz Chazanish was was a, was someone of, of of great stature, he did not get involved in these rabbinic discussions about what they could do to help the communities, what they could do to raise the money. Once, however, he was asked to come. And he said, um, he answered, he said, the Chassanish said that, you know, it's so tough for me to learn because my, my, my learning is not sedura. I'm not ready to be over there. You know, I don't have such a good mind. Um, and, and my learning is really uh, difficult for me. Um, and I have another reason which I can't explain. Um, and therefore, I know that the, the Rabbonim want me to come, but I really can't. And even though he was living in Vilna, and, and many times his brother was in, brother-in-law was involved, the Chazanish, uh, would, would, would somehow disappear and, and go to one of the Bote Medrash, not to be schlepped in, not to be there. It wasn't just a board meeting. They were talking about saving Klal in many ways, but he didn't want to be there. Um, as he became, as the years passed, people felt that someone like him should be involved, but they, they never were able to hop him. Once it occurred that the Chazonish, they had like a meeting of Rabbonim in Vilna, and the Chazonish didn't know about it in advance. And it was in the Chazonish's house that all the Rabbonim came. 
and the Chazanish was there learning, and he sees that they're setting a table, and people are, are going to have a little bit of a snack or a little bit of a meal beforehand before they get to the event. And the Chazanish couldn't escape. He saw that he wasn't able to leave. So, who was the 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 oldest Rishi, one of the great older Shashivas that were there? Shimon Shkop from Grodna. He knew that this man, this Rav Ram Yeshaya, was a very important person in learning. And he asked him to to begin the Asifa with a drosh and halacha. Well, the Chassanish started saying, I don't want to speak, I don't want to speak. Um, Rav Hanan Wasserman was there as well. Um, and... He said, I understand why Rabbi Avram Yeshaya doesn't want to speak. Because you can't push somebody to do something he doesn't want to do. And you're over, we see the by beforech. But Rav Elchonin felt that when they ask Divrei Teira from you, when you can give over Divrei Teira, even though you don't want to give them over, even though you're pressured to speak Divrei Teira, the, you, the people are not over. So, um, what happened was the Chazanish spoke he said over his kasha and uh, Shimon Shkop gave an answer to the kasha Chazanish sat down and a number of days later he wrote to Shimon Shkop the answer to what to what uh, Rav Shimon Shkop had said that really the Chazanisha's question was still strong. I want to tell you that the Chazanish held that Rav Ochanan and Rav Shimon were wrong. Um, he held that it doesn't make a difference whether it's Divrei Teira or anything else. If people pressure you to, to give a speech and you don't want to, they are over the law of Osir Farah, even though you can give over tremendous Torah to people. The reason why the Chazanish says, I didn't, Rav and Vasserman was there, I didn't want to go against Rav and Vasserman. But really, I hold that's true. And that is the way the Chazanish felt. He was not happy about speaking Berabim. He didn't do it. And he felt others should not be pushed to speak um, that was one of the reasons why the Chazanish, although he understood you needed to collect monies, Nervarin Kotler Zatzal, the Panovicharov Zatzal, all of these people made Hishtadlison to collect money from Balabatim, Chazanish would never do it. Even though it was necessary, he says that's He doesn't want to give the money, really. If I ask him, he's going to feel that he's forced to do it. Therefore, I can't ask. Um. There was once a bocher uh, in Hebron that 
that was going to uh, sign up for the army. So Rav Zinger, who was a Talmud the Chazanish, told over the Chazanish that a friend of his was going into the army. The Chazanish knew that person. He thought he was he could still sit and learn. Um, so he, he told Rav Zinger, this Bokhar still needs to learn. He doesn't need to go to the army. What do you think? What do you think we could do to change his mind? So Rav Zinger said, Rebbe, if you call him in, tell him to come to Bnei Brak, Tell him personally that he shouldn't go into the army. He won't do it. He said, I can't do it. I cannot tell him that he should not do it. Even though he considers me a little bit like his Rebbe, he says, I can't tell a person, I can't tell a person to do something because I want him to do it. And um, and that's really, in a sense, how he, again, most people would be be surprised to know that that was the way he felt. Most people see uh, Rabbonim as authoritarian. That's not the way the Chazanish was at all. In terms of the end of the story, um, what happened, whether he went to the army or not, I can't tell you. Um, well, actually, I can't tell you right now. What happened was, that um, the Chazanish said, I can't tell you to go, but I can ask you, go down to Yerushalayim and meet him. He went and found the Bokhar, um, and it looked like he was going to sign up and become a Chayal. The last minute, he stopped. Um, he told the Chazanish about it. The Chazanish's face was shining. Um, he said, you know what? I was so worried. He said, people were coming here and I thought it was going to be you. Um, and now, Baruch Hashem, I see you came and you told me. What the Chazanish did was um, he found a very special Talmud Chochem in Yerushalayim and he asked uh, he asked Rav Zinger um, if it's possible that this guy should come and become his Chavrusa. Um, so the truth was is that clearly the Chazanish's Pu'ulas and Tvilas were able to stop it, but he refused to actually send him a direct achlota. And he was able to arrange that this Bokhar should spend a couple more years in learning. Perhaps he did go to the army eventually. I don't want to get involved now in the discussion whether going to the army is a positive thing or not. What I'm trying to show you is that the type of person the Chazanish was, the type of midos that he had, the way he dealt with other people and his sense of, of himself. So that is a little bit about the, the, the Nifter Hagodol 
and we should try to, in a way, emulate uh, that type of attitude to really care, to really be worried, but not necessarily to uh, push <laughs> people around, even if it means to maybe ask them uh, for something that is very simple, unless we're sure they really want to help us. Uh, again, otherwise we're being over a lot of the tater. Um, uh. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.